Marvellous. Now then, so if you remember, we're looking at In His Presence series, and today I've got a really straightforward talk, if you please to know, something that we can put into practice straight away. Our Sunday mornings and our chats are kind of things which we look at the Bible and try and make them as relevant as possible in today's age, and I think this is one that is very appropriate to be able to do that. So first of all, in our first year of marriage, Sean and I, we moved to Lacha. And uh, we were 19 when we got married, and we moved down to Lacha to live near her grandfather, actually, because we were going to look after him, okay? But anyway, he, he sadly passed away, just to let you in on the, you know, the, the punchline straight away. Sean's granddad did die three months before we got married, isn't it, Sean? So it was a bit of a different setup. But what I want to talk about is, you know, that's where we started off married life, Lacha. It was a lovely place, not far from work, you know, friends around us, etc., etc. And, you know, Saturday is my day off. I don't know if you've got a Saturday off, but that tends to be my day off. And on this particular day off, Sean was doing something. She was going off. I can't remember quite what it was. And what I was going to do was this. I was going to chill out. I was going to replenish. I was going to go fishing in Lachar Estuary. All right? And I went and did that. And it was a lovely day. It was boiling hot. It was nice. I found this perfect spot on a corner. There was like rocks there, and there was rocks there, but there was this lovely little area where there was just like sand. It was nice. And the sun, just imagine it, that the tide is in, which which you need that when you go fishing, I suppose. The tide was in, and the sun was glistening off the surface of the water. It was beautiful. Now, in Lacharestuary, you would fish for flatfish, or bass, okay? Both taste very nice, and it's also fun to catch fish as well, if you're that way inclined. Hunter-gatherer type, etc. And it was an early summer's day. It was boiling hot. There was nobody around. And you know when they say when the sun's out? Gun's out, isn't it? And I, you know, I was, I was like, this is, I was topless, okay, that means. And I was 19, and I was eight and a half stone soaking wet back in those days. And it was boiling, it was relaxing. I was enjoying, like, winding down, enjoying the sun, enjoying God's presence, and just relaxing. And it was a beautiful time. And just, just a challenge us straight away this morning. Where are those places where we go to relax and unwind as people in our lives? Now, there was two things about that day. One was very positive. The positive thing was I had a great day. It was nice, relaxing, and I caught a couple of fish. I was very proud, went home with my catch. I was quite proud of myself, which was very good. I wasn't very experienced at fishing. But the negative thing, oh my goodness gracious me, I sunburnt big time. I was burnt to a crisp. It was like a combination between a Pringle and a quiver. Salty, and I smelled of cheese. <laughs> they really. <laughs> but it was, it was boiling. Anyway. The purpose of the story is this. It is very important to go somewhere in our lives to replenish and enjoy ourselves, to kind of interact with God, to find a different pace of life, to find a place where we can chat to God, be at ease, get things off our mind, chat to him about the future, our day, etc., etc., etc. And what was very, you know, still sticks with me really, upon the thoughts and reflections, is this place was just like 300 meters from where we lived, but it felt like a totally different place. And life was busy back then. It was like, there was like work, and I was studying, and involved in a church plant here at a cornerstone. But like actual responsibilities were fairly low and manageable, which was good at that age. But nothing too demanding. But it was very important to be able to chill in God's presence, 
It was very simple and very enjoyable. Now, the significance of this place, and there's just a picture of where you can park your car and go for a walk as well down the estuary, is since then, fast forward like 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and how life changes, and now we have three adult children, and we have you know, responsibilities in church life and in the community, and life dynamics has moved on. Different things that were involved in the different stresses and strains. But one thing that has been very regular and poignant for me is I've still gone back to that place time after time, year after year, with different things going on, and how growing up in my spiritual walk and in responsibilities in community life as well is to always have that place of touching base with God, of being you know, there with him, replenishing, refreshing, and growing in God. And that's one thing I would encourage us today as I go through this talk, which is a very simple talk, is to ponder the times and the moments where we can go to meet with God to take time out, to change the surroundings around us, perhaps to get away from the the day-to-day, and just allow God to fill us, to help us in the good times and the peaceful times, the stressful times, the busy times, the sad times, to be in his presence. And I've experienced all those different feelings and emotions over the years when things have been really tough and pressured and sad and have gone to this place and looked over the estuary and Sometimes the tide is in and sometimes the tide is out. And it's a little bit like life, isn't it? Sometimes the tide of life will bring different seasons, different pressures upon our lives. Happy times where we celebrate and sad times where we grieve. And all these things take their course in our lives. So this morning, as we consider the series of being in God's presence, let's look at what Jesus did. We're looking at today that Jesus went to lonely places to pray. And there's plenty of instances in the Bible where we read about this. And there's a few that's going to come up on the screen now. The first one is from Mark uh, 35 there, where we read that Jesus went to a solitary place where he prayed. So this we can see Jesus would, would do regularly. The next verse from Luke shows how Jesus went away to pray privately in his own space, in his own time, to pray to the Father And then finally in Luke 11, 1 here, it just says that Jesus went to a certain place to pray. So what can we glean and learn from Jesus this morning? The rhythm of praying to the Father. How and why did Jesus choose and often go to pray in solitude? When we read so much about his ministry and the work of, of, of what he did on this earth and what he continues to do, why did he then go and pray in solitude with the Father? Well, Jesus regularly withdrew to lonely places to pray. Away from the crowds, from the everyday surroundings, there was great purpose in him doing this because he was consistently and constantly helping others and feeding others and speaking love and kindness into other people's lives. And sometimes that can take it out of you. But Jesus, in his walk, in his life, and in his ministry, he He repaired people's lives. He challenged people's lives. He came up against all kinds of criticisms and concerns from other people as well. So we want to take some examples out of his book today. So we're going to concentrate on this few verses to start with, from Luke 5, verses 12 to 16. I'm going to read it, and it's up on the screen as well. So while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy, When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. 
Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourselves to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So here we see a man with leprosy, a fear disease. There was no cure, contagious. The priests would monitor those who had leprosy to check you know, at what stage they were at. And they would often be banished from the community. It, the, the disease was a very you know, horrible one to have. The nerve endings would be destroyed and people would, who had leprosy could damage their toes and their fingers and parts of their body without knowing because of the nerves were damaged. And here this man in particular was in an advanced stage and he was covered in leprosy. And he came with faith to Jesus and he begged Jesus, he begged Jesus to be healed. And we read that Jesus touched the man and he healed him completely. And the consequences of this is the crowds got to hear about it and lots would come to, to Jesus for their own personal healing, for those people who were struggling. So here I believe there was a cost to Jesus when the man begged Jesus for his help. To provide care and empathy and sympathy, to take, take a risk, to step out in faith, to, to pray for someone. When someone is like begging you, I don't know if you've ever experienced anyone begging you for help before. You know, it may be in very, various contexts. But when someone begs to you, it, it's quite a demand, it's quite a challenge. You have to, we have to respond to that person in some way, shape, or form. When someone comes to you and begs you for help, how do we respond to that begging? For Jesus, he would, we read account after account of him helping people. But again, he had to replenish himself by taking time out to spend with the Father, alone time, in prayer, away from people. And this was very important in that rhythm of life because we can't always just give out to others without being replenished ourselves. And this is a great example here where Jesus was reaching out to others, helping others, and helping in such a way that was completely changing somebody else's life in a radical way. And not only just for that person, but for the community as well. So he was going to pray to the Father just so that he can know the Father's will to be serving the Father's will through his ministry. And he was modeling something to the disciples and future followers. So we can take this example today and really immediately put it into effect. Maybe we're very good at spending time in prayer and time away from ourselves and being edified by God ourselves. But some of us may be so you know, busy and in demand and doing things that sometimes we forget about the alone times with God and the replenishing times. It's very important to be able to do that. I often get to see Simon Brown's uh, Facebook pictures of when he goes up mountains and walks and stuff like that with amazing surroundings. And Simon does it regularly for many reasons. But I often think, oh, if I was there now, I would really be connecting with God here and seeing the amazing scenes of what God has created in the world. And it's just that sometimes you need those surroundings around you, don't you? To be away from the norm, from the day-to-day, -to, -day, to be inspired and invigorated by God. 
So Jesus was modeling something to his disciples and future followers. Now, anyone who's experienced caring for somebody else, whether it be over a short period of time or a longer season, out of love or out of service, or maybe a job or a specific calling, you will recognize and know how much that can actually take out of you as a person as well, because it's very important we're called to serve and to love and to care for one another, and that is a key thing that God calls us to do. It is also a key thing to look after ourselves as well in those things, and it is important to be able to do that. Now, Sean, I mentioned earlier about how we, Sean was looking after her granddad from like the age of like 16 to 19, whatever it was, and you know, she spent a lot of time looking after him and over his needs and things like that. So, you know, you see and recognize the demands, and anyone's experience will know that. I was talking to another friend just a few days ago, and he works in the A&E department. And how, if you've ever been in A&E before, you'll realize how much of a demanding place that can be with people from all kinds of areas, backgrounds, with struggles, you know, health things going on. You know, I remember being there after doing my leg and play football with, like, it was a Friday night, like, drunk people coming in, you know, abusing and shouting at the staff. It's like, I can't believe, you know, that, that nurses caring people have to deal with this kind of stuff. So there is a demand to, to anyone who's in the caring profession or caring industry or provides something of a service to others that is demands upon them. And it's important then that we get to replenish ourselves as well. Now, from a personal perspective, I remember a good few years ago now, somebody phoning me up and, uh, you know, they came on the phone and they were just sobbing, you know, dismayed, in great distress, in a desperate situation. And over time, we chatted and we prayed and we looked at the God perspective into the situation. Now, we, the, the, the problem didn't automatically fix straight away because there was plenty of prayer and practical support to be put in place. But through careful conversation and compassion, it helped to get a God perspective onto the situation. And what I noticed myself personally, it cost peace of mind. This conversation had brought a strain on the emotions, a concern for the person's well-being. I felt burdened, a heavy weight. So, so any of us who get into that situation where we're helping a friend out or a family member or someone in work or what have you, and you know, we're, we're in when someone shares a problem with you, you're kind of in that experience together and bringing support or what have you, it can be a heavy burden upon ourselves. And it is then a discipline, you know, to refresh and to be invigorated by God, to know his peace as well. I see it's a, a personal discipline to cast our burdens onto Jesus. It's those verses that, that explain to us and help us understand that not to carry heavy weights upon us all the time ourselves, but to cast burdens onto Jesus, our anxieties onto him, and he will help us in those things. So when we're experienced giving out in such a way, it's crucial to know and seek God for ourselves, to be replenished. Otherwise, we can easily become overwhelmed ourselves. So choosing a suitable place, a safe place, to allow the Father to minister to us, to pray to him, to share our hearts, desires, to let him know the things we may be grappling with, praying for other people as well that there is a time and a place where we can know the reality of God, that we can touch base with him. And that will help us in, in our day-to-day, in our own personal service with others as well. Okay, so the next thing is to be present, to be present 
to really know God's presence as we pray, rather than being distracted, that we do find a place where there are less distractions, and to know the Father heart of God. Because sometimes we're a very busy people, aren't we? We don't always take the time out to know the Father's love in our lives. We read about it, we get it, but to stand, to be still, and to know God, the psalm says, isn't it? Be still and know that I am God, is to be encouraged this morning that we can do that as a spiritual discipline in our lives, to be still and to know God and find a method and way of doing that for our own um, health, spiritual health and well-being, which is very important. So to be still and know that I am God. Let's take a moment, and you guys at home as well, just to close our eyes. And we're just going to do this as a little practice run. Just sit before God and ask God to fill us with his presence. Maybe even to say, Lord, I'm stilling myself before you. I'm not thinking about other things or whether it's chicken or beef this afternoon. But I'm being still in your presence right now. That I would know your Father's heart for my life. I would rest in your peace, Lord. And the little problems and anxieties which are bubbling up in my life right now, I just want to hand them over to you, Lord. I pray that you would give me the perseverance to see those things through. To give me help, Lord, where I feel weak. I really need your strength, Lord. I pray you help me in that. And Holy Spirit, right now, as I still myself before you, may I know your presence, your forgiving love, the fact that you created me and formed me in my mother's womb, that you know me, Lord, warts and all, everything that goes on. And now I still myself, Lord. Help me, Lord, to know you, to take those times out, to know your peace in my life, to be still in the busyness. Amen. So that was just like for a few moments, really, but it is good, isn't it, to stop and to allow the Holy Spirit to speak into our hearts. Okay, so we can follow Jesus in Jesus' footsteps to show compassion and love to others, to stand in the gap when sometimes questions need to be answered, to give out help to others, whether it's physical support, emotional support, spiritual support, and to ensure that us as people set aside time to spend alone with God in his presence. And no more, you know, now with the pandemic that has been raging for the last couple of years, and now we have the next crisis upon us with, you know, the war that is happening in the Ukraine, and the things we can't actually physically change ourselves but we can be praying for and asking for God's intervention in. It is important to take care of ourselves as reading an article that how things, when things like this happen in the world, it can cause great anxiety and strife in our hearts, a real worry and concern. So even more so now, to take that time out to know God's presence, even when there's times of conflict and concern. Okay, so next, there's another reason for seeking alone time with God, and that, that is to escape the voices of others, in particular, the negative ones. And this can be especially true when preparing to make important decisions for the future. And we can find a good example of this in Luke chapter 6. We're going to have a little look at this, and this will be like the final part of the talk. Then. 
So I like to call it the Sabbath day showdown, all right? So in Luke, there's a couple of verses here. First of all, there's verses one to five, which talks about how Jesus and the disciples are walking through grain fields and the disciples are picking, you know, uh, grain and eating it along the way. And the Pharisees were then having a go at Jesus and the disciples were breaking the laws of the Sabbath for harvesting on a, sun, on a, on a Sabbath day. And Jesus addressed them and he added to them that, you know, the Son of Man was Lord over the Sabbath and he was trying to get into their heads that it's important to do good and to live on a Sabbath day, not to get stuck in their law and tradition. Moving on to verses 6 to 13, these are the ones I want to read for us. Here we go. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and he stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them and then said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he did so, and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the laws were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Moving on. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them who he also designated apostles. So here we have religious leaders with their traditions insisting on no healing on a Sabbath. For them, it was like practicing medicine. No person was allowed to practice their profession on a Sabbath. So hence, they were more concerned with not breaking law rules rather than seeing someone in physical need healed. And they were dead set against Jesus. There was a verbal disagreement and a spiritual disagreement too. And that is something we can recognize in our lives as well, is that when we're doing a spiritual work of God, there will often be opposition and challenge to those things. But be encouraged that even though Jesus was dealing with those criticisms of the Pharisees, he still had the heart of compassion for others to make a difference and to make the change. And he was not going to be budged by the Pharisees' laws and rules and criticisms. In fact, back in John 5, 17, Jesus healed a lame man, we read, who'd been lame for 38 years. And Jesus was getting, you know, again, like verbally abused. And in his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. So what I want us to consider now is even in the challenges of life and in the difficulties and the criticism and the opposition, we can still know that God is at work and it is his work and we're kind of submitted to that work. We serve God out of faith. We have faith in him. We're grateful to his love and his forgiveness. And we have seasons of difficulty, trouble and strife. But there is a way of rebooting, of recalibrating, of knowing God's heart in our lives. A little later on, going back to Luke 6 there, it says that Jesus went to a mountainside to pray all night because he's going to be choosing his disciples next. Now, I don't know about you, doing like an all-night prayer meeting up on a mountainside. I mean, I don't know how safe that is, but Jesus obviously did. 
I know Simon Brown probably has, but um, it is good to find those places to be that dedicated to God's call. It is important to take those times out to really, really consider when the opposition voices are coming upon our life to oppose our call before God, how do we prevent that from knocking us off track with God? How do we do that? Well, it takes faith, it takes discipline, it takes the fact that we listen to God's voice and not the others, not the other voices, the opposition, the coming against us. Jesus still healed, he still poured out his love to people but he also had an important strategic decision to make. He was about to choose the, the people, the guys who he's gonna use as his disciples to take the church on, to be those first fruits of the church, to grow the church, to help the church, to serve God, and he was gonna be spending like years in, in growing them and maturing them. So we can be a strategic people as well. Maybe we're a planned person. We like to plan for years coming up and how we want to develop as a person or our family or our friends and where we want to be going in life with our calling and our serving and our ministry. Or maybe we're not that organized. Maybe we're not that well planned. But still, for whoever or however we take as people and however we're wired up, it is still a key, critical area of our lives to know God's voice in calling, to know God's voice in ministry. So we're not just doing the do, but somehow we're keeping refreshed, replenished in serving God, to keep track with God's calling and not to be sidelined or distracted by opposition voices. It is important to give time to that. Especially, I can remember being like a teenager going into the late teens, into early adulthood. Those are very formative years. Those are the years where we decide kind of really the trajectory of our lives of, you know, maybe the jobs we like to do. Do we want to get married? Do we not want to get married? Do we want to serve in this particular area or that area? What, what is the job function I would like to do? How do I feel like God is going to use me in my life? What, a, what purpose is he going to bring me into? And those are developed development years, their formative years, and the, the times where we can really be open to God's voice. Very critical and crucial to hear God's voice in those formative years. And of course, it's not just then. It's throughout our life we keep on track with God. But particularly those formative years is to hear God's voice, his calling for our lives. That is very critical and important. To recognize his voice, to have a great attitude in serving God in that calling, and to be aware of strategies and voices which would seek to diminish us, knock us off track. Now, Jesus was continually submitting himself to the Father's voice, following his will. And that's why he had to get away quite often into the solitary places to make sure he was hearing from God, to be on track with God, to know the Father's love for his life and the struggles, strains, and challenges as well. And I got one last illustration before we just close this talk. And that is one where I had to have a personal challenge a good few years ago, now probably like 2010. And in my job function in engineering back in the automotive industry, it was a time where things were changing in the company I was working for. There was been a restructuring. There was a, a reduction of heads 
in the business. And uh, sometimes in some organizations, you're referred to as a head rather than a human being with feelings, emotions, responsibilities, etc. You know, it's just the way of life, but yes. So many heads had to roll as the company was being restructured. Now, thankfully, I wasn't in that um, difficult situation. My job was secure, but there was restructuring going on. And in that restructuring meant that my job function was changing and the project that I was gonna take on was being the project engineer responsible for the localization of the Nissan Leaf, which was one of the early running run electrical cars, okay? They were being made in Japan, they were being localized to the north, east of England, up in Suzanne land, Sunderland, Washington, all up that way, way I man. And um, so yes, so that was happening, that localization project. Now, the consequences of that, of working on that project, was meant that for the next two to four years, I probably wouldn't see my family, or be able to serve in the church, or do anything really that God was calling me into. So this was a very transitional season and life for myself. The choices had to be made. And I remember praying a lot, and over the season of weeks and a few months, it was decision time, and I remember ch chatting to Julian and Sarah and the leadership here in Cornice and explaining the predicament and the, the reality of how this job was going to affect my life, my family's life, and my, the way I could serve in the church. And thankfully, there'd been a lot of prophetic stuff leading up to this time about myself changing jobs and eventually one day coming to work for the church. And through prayer and through reading the signs and spending time with God, I ended up coming to work for the church full time, which was very, you know, it was a challenge. It was, you know, a sacrifice because I was so used to working in engineering. But can you see how quickly you, your life can change by just going with the flow and going with that? The pressures were on, you know, there would have been financial restrictions, I suppose, in one way. There would have been career choices in another way, the security of my family in another way. But I had to really rely on God in this season to really see, well, what are the important things here? To be around for my family as my children are young, to still recognize the call of God in my life, and I really had to weigh this up, not just for myself, but as a team together. And trust God, his perspective. And maybe today we're faced with similar challenges similar issues going on, similar callings in our life, where there are certain options coming along which could really sidetrack us. And it's not to super spiritualize everything, but let's ensure that in our decision making that we're still available to God in our lives, that we're still available to pour out the heart and love of God to others, that we can still pray for people who require healing or encouragement to be challenged by God. There may be those who don't really know Jesus yet, but on a, a journey and um, finding out about Jesus. We can be those people who can say, yeah, well, actually, I kind of know Jesus, and he's affected my life so much. He's made such a difference. He gave me purpose in life. He's given me encouragement that when we die, we have an eternity to look forward to, and there are real answers. You know, maybe we're called to be those people, those voices. And that is just part of my story, our family story. Each of us have our own story to consider. Similar pressures upon our journeys of life. So like Jesus here went to the mountainside all night to pray, there was a reason for that. He was 
really wanting to hear the voice of God in his decision-making. You know, there's a practical decision-making as well as the spiritual. Who was he going to invest his life into? Who were the people, these guys, these fishermen and tax collectors and people from all walks of life, who was he going to pour in his wisdom, his life into? These certainly weren't perfect people, but they were people who were going to listen to Jesus, to respond to his ways, and to know the kingdom of God at work. And that was an important one. And we can follow Jesus in that example of really listening and praying to God when those big decisions are coming along. So, where do we go to be alone with God? Where is our refreshment zone? For those maybe here who are parents, who need time to stop and listen to God. It's very difficult, isn't it, when you're running around after little ones and all that. And, but sometimes you can release one another to be able to do that, to, to get time to, to hear the voice of God because it's busy, busy, busy when you're a parent. People have all kinds of responsibilities. But I will say that it is important, just like Jesus did, is to hear the voice of God, to get in that place where there's no distractions, to stop and to listen to his voice. Somewhere, somewhere safe, not somewhere dodgy. <laughs> Stop in his presence. Don't go somewhere that's dangerous, dark, etc., etc. Find somewhere safe, secure, where we know we can hear the voice of God. So, that is this morning's talk. Very easy, very easy to put into practice. Great that Jesus has gone before us and showed us how to do that. So, let's pray, and I'll hand back over to Sean. Yes, yeah, so we thank you that we can see through scripture, your heart for people, for those that you healed, for the marginalized that you helped, for those who weren't the most popular, you poured out your heart to, Lord, and brought change and love and reassurance and hope and purpose to, Lord. And we find ourselves with just the same as humans, Lord, with our frailties and our difficulties and our weaknesses. We often find ourselves in those situations where we just need you, Lord. So help shape us and form, form us, Lord. Last year we heard about the importance of being in your presence through the word and through scripture. Today is an easy example to know your presence through prayer, to stop into being still before you, Lord. Simple spiritual disciplines which we can often sometimes miss out, feel guilty about even. We pray that we take all those expectations, all those guilt trips that sometimes we can put ourselves on. And we ask you, Lord, to pour in your presence as we learn those spiritual disciplines to hear from you, to be in your presence, to hear your Father's heart for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Shant.